Welcome back to another Squawking Dead. After taking their licks and checking them twice, it's time for the Hilltop to do something, I, I think. Carol avoids confronting the possibility that Henry might be dead, Rick seizes the first opportunity to avoid having to read Carl's letter, and Morgan embraces the reality that, try as you might, we all turn at some point. I'm not crying, you're crying. It's just allergies. Quit it. <laughs> Meanwhile... Being far more productive, Daryl and Rosita seek and destroy the Savior Machine Shop operations, and Tara has finally told Daryl that she's out of the Dwight ending business. Jadis and Negan, so many questions there. Lots. And when I have questions, I turn to the milk in my cornflakes, the peanut butter on my jelly. That sounds bad. The cream... <laughs> and Jews, you'll know this one. The cream cheese on my unleavened bread. Carol. Or New Yorkers. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. If you're from the tri-state area, you should you should know. You should know what matzah is, right? Very much so. Very much so. So I have some exciting news, though, before, before I hand over the mic to you. And I just Ooh. got this news right before the show. Oh. So Xander Berkeley's Instagram account. <gasps> I saw that. It's private. <laughs> yes, and I saw that. We are approved among an elite few of 28,000 uh. people. <laughs> I can follow him. He's so weird. Let me tell you something. I heard an interview with him fairly recently because I think that he's involved with some sort of movie festival that's going on in Jersey. And oh, Asbury Park? Asbury Park. But he's involved. And so he was sort of like, it was sort of like a Walking Dead interview slash promotional interview for this festival. He is so interesting. Very interesting, man. I know. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> His interviews like monologues. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's just very like. But he has he's lived such an interesting life, you know. So it's like very interesting just to listen. I was like, oh wow. I was like, so this is Dave's man. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's it's like a gradient, and Xander Berkeley is right at the middle where the extreme would be like Jeff Goldblum, right? If you ever sat through a Jeff <laughs> yes. Goldblum interview, it's like, wow, well, well, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, I, I suppose. And then, like, and then there's Andrew Berkeley, who's more like. I do like Jeff Goldblum, though. I mean, we all do, but at the same time, you're like, spit it out, bud. Yeah. All right. But Xander's more like in the middle, where it's like, he'll just he'll do it, but he's more smooth. He's more his speech has more flow. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. He may be weird as hell. But his, but that's what makes it so interesting. Where he talks, that there just is like a flow and a cadence to it that you're just like enthralled. Oh yeah, t- tell me more. Yeah. 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 You know, I think the extreme on the other side is Jim Carrey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Too quick to mm-hmm. the point, leaves yes. you with questions. God, can you imagine? Whereas Jeff Bolt Goldblum, not quick to the point, gives you answers. But you're not right- quite sure if you really got the answers. Right. You accept that you'll never get an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, whereas in the middle, it's like Xander Berkeley, you may have questions, but you're okay. You're yeah, okay. It's like you, you got the gist of it. It's a happy medium. Happy medium, absolutely. I did <laughs> see that, and I was like, oh. I I love how this is going to make notes in our description of the episode right now. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, listen, it's, it's, (laughs) I, I'm, I am flattered. I don't know about you, but I was touched. I saw that and I was like, oh, it feels so special. I took a chance and it worked. Team Negan. Hashtag Team Negan. That's Mm, all I'm saying. Okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. I'm okay with starting with that. That's that's fine with me. I don't know if it's being done on purpose and it probably is. And I don't know necessarily like 
where they want to take this trajectory. But Rick has really fallen down a downward spiral that it's a hard thing for me to justify because here we are again with mass murdering, brutal mass murdering that Rick is doing. You know, Negan, on the other hand, I mean, we're not seeing Negan execute any kind of mass murderings at all. We have not seen that in the two seasons we've been watching The Saviors. Rick's situation with these saviors in this episode you can compare it to Negan and Gabriel when they were in the trailer. Negan utilized Gabriel as a resource and they basically escaped out of that situation together. But he didn't kill off Gabriel after they got back to the sanctuary. Not at all. And as a matter of fact, Gabriel was receiving medical attention from their doctor. Yeah, you know? yeah, so exactly. when he says that people are a resource, he means that. And his word is his word. And I believe when Negan says that I give you my word, I believe him. This episode made it very, made it abundantly clear that Rick's word basically means nothing. But it's still got to mean something. Oh, sure. It's still got to mean something. Bing title episode. Sorry. (laughs) No, I know. Come at me. Hate me all you want. Team Negan. As a matter of fact, I'm almost to the point that I think that the only way this war is going to end is because Negan's going to end this war and he's going to end it because he's seen the helicopter and he thinks like, look, dude, you need to calm the hell down and we need to kind of work together because there's a way bigger force going on here and we're not going to be able to get ourselves out of this post-apocalyptic situation if we don't get our stuff together because there's more out there. Right. There's a situation in the sky that's that may be bigger than us. Bigger than you and me. Right. You know? And maybe we should try to figure this out. Figure this out instead right. of like killing each other. So to backtrack a little bit, we had our suspicions about what the helicopter was, who had it in their possession, who was controlling it. As the season went on, it turns out nobody really knew except for maybe Jadis. It was yes. like, our, our, you know, we kept picking off information like, oh, OK, was it the saviors? Did they know about it? They said, send a flyover. Oh, that was just an expression. And then we start getting to the heart of it in that to the point where Simon's even asking Jadis about this before she, obviously he murders right. all her people, which is where we left off in the beginning of the episode. It's like, where is this place? What was this place? Yeah. It may not even be that clear that Jadis knows what this is about. I mean, there is a walkie. So right. there was some sort of communication. There was obviously instructions and a timer about when they would be there. Yeah. But that's about all we know. But yes. the one thing that we have established, though, is that the scavenger did not have any sort of control. I would even go as far to say that uh, Jadis had no control over this helicopter. Right. They had made an assumption about a helipad, you know, right. etc. So obviously there's a place for this thing to land, but it did not originate there. No. She was very well aware when they were coming. She had her bags packed. She had a flare. She was ready for when they were going to arrive. So... Right. This was not the first time. And we, and we saw oh, like, yeah, we've seen points. It, yeah. We've seen it hovering. So it's definitely been in the in the area. It's funny. If you go on comicbook.com, there were some awesome theories from, you know, Twitterverse because, of course, you know, that's just how it goes. Right. And I we're mean, crowdsourcing. <laughs> yes. And I mean, there were a variety. But, you know, the predominant one was about the military. The military didn't just disappear when, you know, shit hit the fan. They bunkered down. <laughs> And then, you know, now they're hunkered down too. Yeah. (laughs) And basically are now, you know. We were talking about like presidential bunker. Well, like basically like. Sort of thing. I said it before. If shit hits the fan tomorrow, I refuse to believe that the mother of all bunkers isn't there and that our government is (laughs) pretty set up. It is. In my mind, it's a huge, massive bunker. It's like another city state. They've got Wi-Fi, coffee shops. They're good. That's basically what would happen. They were hunkered down for a little while and then basically peep out and see like, is it safe to go out? What's going on? You know, like, and then start like the rebuilding. 
Right. I mean, what's interesting is like if you go even deeper than that, because there are some people, oh, it might have been like my husband, Eddie, that suggested it. And I was like, ooh, that's a deep dive. Okay. And they were basically saying, what if this whole thing is and it's something to consider? Oh, in, in a social experiment? Yes. Or, or it could even be something that it wasn't meant to go to this extent, but it did kind of got out of their hands or whatever. Mm. And it became what it became. Because, I mean, we know from season two. Yeah, uh, yeah, two with the with CDC. The CDC that yeah everyone has it so if everyone has it then i would imagine that everyone would have it through some sort of water supply vaccine something that would be accessible to everyone pretty interesting stuff in my mind you can't tell me anything it's the government <laughs> in my well, mind like the, the only other two choices that from the chess pieces that we have on the board is you could i mean i'm with you 100 mm -hmm. is georgie maybe her faction maybe her connection and i think that georgie is a part of the government right i do too and i think so i think that there probably is a connection there. I and think. Our, our hook shot theory, this is the third theory, mm -hmm. something that we'd want to happen, mm -hmm. is that it's Heath. It's Heath from 24 and just coming and jackbowering it and just yeah. saving everybody. Exactly. I'm not who you thought I was. Yep, I'm pretty much. I'm or this could be all three. Heath Twitter is a sleeper for Georgie, <laughs> and Georgie is part of this arm of the government, or, or like another re outreach portion of the government. Let <laughs> She's us a scout. Not I, I swear, like I've I've spent nights in my bed, like before going to sleep, trying to research this because that episode with Heath and Tara, he's not killed, he disappears, but Tara notices higher marks, and there's a card left behind that says PPP. Oh, and it's I'm, PPP. Okay. Yeah, Heath is coming back. I don't know when, but yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a strange thing too because you'd think he would show up in some form of fashion. Twitter would lose their mind if Twitter if Heath showed up. It was like when Morales showed up. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, right. Yeah, yeah. But Morales didn't disappear under mysterious circumstances. Morales left. Right. He, he had, a, he had an objective. Yeah, exactly. He didn't slip out through the night or anything. No. Pretty straightforward. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to make my way my own way. Okay, you're mm -hmm. off the show. Goodbye. Yeah. And then, but Heath, very sudden, very weird. Yeah. They're the, I mean, they say Kirkman knows like what it all means. Of course he does. But in my mind, Georgie and the government are definitely connected to that helicopter. Yeah. Their presence might be what ends this war, potentially. The idea, yeah, the of, like, idea of them. Yeah, the idea of them and like, look, there might be some hope out there because, I mean, Negan's mentality is, if you think of people as a resource, it's basically kind of saying, you know, where there's life, there's hope. Right. Essentially. For right. An abundance of life, right. An abundance of life for a better future. And he was stunned when he saw that helicopter. And I think he's still trying to understand what went on because he asked Jadis, like, you know, what was all that back there? And, you know, again, she doesn't answer. And I think he says, you know, I hope that one day you'll share. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too, Jadis. What do you think is this whole this whole room thing is about, though? This whole that she had this room. Do you think, I think that room, the whole thing? And I and I mentioned this. I think I got a bit of a vibe of like undercover agent, something like that. Just the way she was in the car, the way she was dressed. And then when we saw this episode, it made me feel that even more. Her bunker was really pristine, sterile. Simple. Simple, but obviously very well thought out. It wasn't like a makeshift sort of like, okay, we're in this post-apocalyptic world and you know, we would put this little shelter together, whatever. This is not something just randomly put together. <laughs>
I mean, when they were first introduced and you saw the military boots and the binoculars when they were kind of eyeing Aaron and Rick with the boat, getting like, supplies from the boat and all oh, of that. Like in the swamp or whatever yeah, it was In called. the swamp and all of that. She could have been a government agent scouring and spying the area for survivors for, for some time. Her quarters were hospital-like, military-like sterile, you know, like yeah. the way everything was perfectly immaculate. So you think it's not limited to her? You think that the Am scavengers I, I, were all part of it? Part of that kind of faction not, or whatnot? Not necessarily. It might have just been her. She was kind of like the transplant, but this was, you know, a, a kind of outpost and community that she built. But she might have been the mole, if you will. And she she very well might have cared for all of those people, which is why she's, you know, so devastated that they're all gone. But also maybe devastated at everything that she had created and, and built over time. So it's like all for naught. So I'm not ready to go in that direction just yet, but I am mm-hmm. willing to entertain the fact that this is maybe who she was before she became the artist. Let's say and build that artist community. That, even, that maybe I'm, she moved in there at some point and then brought all these people in. I don't know. Most of the time on Talking Dead, they have that big panel. I mean, like that mosaic in the background. Yeah, like that big artwork that's kind of like to the right of the guests on the panel. Sorry, right behind them. Right behind them. And then this week, that big panel is Jada's split in half. Right. One half is like her trash person and the other half is showing her, you know, now. So I'm like, are you really a double eight? Like, is there, there's a lot more to Jada's. And I think that them kind of blowing it up that way makes me feel like, you know, no, this is significant. This is not throwaway. She is, is an important player in all of this. And she is kind of having this sort of double sort of life. And I'm not sure necessarily what that double life entails necessarily. But like how big was one life than the other, right? The, and, the significance. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, we're in a heavily militarized area. When Rick and Michonne went to oh, that scavenging, carnival, right. yeah. scavenging and we're in that carnival or whatever. And With all the they, soldiers. We never kind of went into it. And, you know, they got all these weapons and all this sort of stuff. Right. It looked like as though the, the military had kind of held out there right as like a temporary location like intake maybe for people just like Perhaps. pulled out and then something happened what was it the, was it the was it macaroni and cheese and chili oh chili mac yeah something like and, that and he was so proud of it I was like oh that sounds disgusting but okay I, mean, I think it's great but it's not a good way to woo somebody you know well it worked for him it worked for him I guess <laughs> just go with it go with it no that don't worry that that was me but don't worry about it don't even worry about it <laughs> I'm looking at all these different pieces and it just makes me feel like there's a strong possibility that she might have had some sort of contact with whatever government military operation is going on or has been in the area at the very least. She had a suitcase. She was ready to go. She had a suitcase. So there was that much known. There was that that much known. There's an arrangement. She was going to get picked up, whatever. Maybe Negan got in the way. Maybe she made it her mission. That's the thing about this, about Jadis. The one thing that we do get from this scene she is caught between getting revenge so obviously that one part of her life the part with the scavengers the artistic Mm -hmm. part where they were just trying to have a life in a community that was real because otherwise yeah otherwise she would not have risked leaving with that helicopter that that suitcase everything all these plans meticulously done Mm-hmm. to get revenge on Negan. She made it a point and she risked that. So there was right. obviously that part of her was definitely real. Yes. So there is that. And at the end of the day, because of her feeble quest, let's say, like mm-hmm. I think maybe she was trying to find the nerve to get revenge on Negan. And it's kind of like what Negan said. Why would you take the time out to, to bring the walker to instead of just killing me? Right, right. Why would you 
I mean, do you want to make me suffer? You could have just burned the bat right away. Right. You know, right. Why bring the walker to eat me while the bat's burning and all this stuff? Why leave the pictures yeah. next to me where you're testing me? Her behavior is kind of weird when you look at it through Negan's perspective. Right. Right. Definitely. I mean, I've never understood like their weaponized walkers, you know, that they seem to have in the junkyard. Unless it's some, okay with it. <laughs> I mean, I I just I don't get it necessarily. Unless like the part of me that like thinks of well, she does say people are a resource when she when he references the walker, the she Dolly Walker, let's say. But I just so kind of wonder. I'm like, is she testing him? Right? Like like she was testing Rick. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the the sinister part of me wonders. I'm like, do you guys? Is this again part of the government doing like experiments on these people? Like, and these are like the the results. I don't know. Like is she caught in a loop, right? Exactly. Like, is she caught in a loop between, like, even with this community gone, she is she still testing people? Is this part of the experiment? I mean, yeah. the experiment seems to be over, but she's yeah, still doing it. Yeah, the experiment seems to be over, I would yeah. say. Yeah, so that there is definitely a push and pull between her two lives, let's say. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm, that's, that's what, what's preventing me from going forward with her life being some sort of sleeper, is, is the fact that this community, this front, has meant so much to her. Instead of just ending it and making him suffer and whatever, that's what's preventing me from going with this as, as her being some sort of military sleeper or something like that. As far as I can take it is that she definitely was somebody before, I don't know if military, but she definitely was a person who had a day job who said, screw this. Let me explain what my working theory is. <laughs> I think she was like a day job person who had a, like a nine to five job, maybe nine to nine like us. <laughs> and, you know, at some point she had lunch breaks and she she went to the junkyard and I think she bought like a tiny house that she put somewhere in the junkyard, had like a relationship uh-huh. with the junkyard guy. He said, hey, uh-huh. Jim, how's it going? <laughs> and uh, she kept it there. I love how you're fleshing this out. Yeah, yeah. This is as far as I can take it. And mm-hmm. so she she did this for several months. And she's like, you know, I could build, you know, I could really build a life out here. The apocalypse hits. And that's her home. You know, she's like, I, this could be my life. You know, like we were talking last week how some people become their better selves, their true selves in the apocalypse. Like Carol. Yeah, it, like Carol. Like even Simon, <laughs> like who right. we were talking about at the time. And so Jadis, I think she embraced it, for lack of a better word. There was a life to her, which is why she has regular clothes, which is why the room is pristine, kind of simple and neat. Mm-hmm. So that's like the middle part of the onion. But the outer part of the onion was her, you know, the greasy hair, the naked painting, whatever. Mm-hmm. That the, she sheds immediately after the, the saviors leave. Right, and, right. Because it's over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think she embraced that life and the, and somebody had taken it away from her. So that's the thing. I, I don't think she's part of it. But I do think that a situation or somebody like a Georgie, let's say, had presented her, themselves to her. They saw a helipad. They obviously landed there. It was a secluded spot. They may have been observing the community. Mm-hmm. They may have had contact with just her. And the only question that I really have, because the rest I think will be revealed in some form or fashion. The only, the only question that I really have is, did the others know about her contact with whomever it was? I mean, they'd have the to. Ones, the ones that were killed? Her people? Yeah, yeah, her people. They had to have known. The helicopters are loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they may not have heard the walkie if she was in the room. Yeah. And assuming, I'm assuming the room is... It yeah, deep you in think, a heap or something, maybe, probably. You would think everybody would kind of notice, hey, guys, there's a black helicopter flying overhead. Oh, not in so many words, obviously. Right, not in so many words, but look, sky. Look, fly. Right, exactly. Wind. <laughs> Lint in eye. Oh. <laughs> so, 
God. debris. <laughs> yeah, you would think, right, that they would know. Yeah, God. that's the re- that's the real discrepancy question, and we'll never know. We'll never know obviously. unless there's a flashback of some kind, right? And they're talking English. <laughs> we got to stop talking English. We got to have an air of mystique about us. Yes. They, they can't know about who the helicopter people are. Their language never made any sense to me, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I love the idea of a secret language, definitely. You know, like a language that, like, you know that they're your a code people. language. A more. code, yeah, like a code language, you know. But just, you know, baby English, just that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I don't know, personally. I'll put it this way. The, the, the way I finally understood it was, imagine if everybody was Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> Take Ezekiel and multiply him by a hundred. But listen, (laughs) don't you remember that episode of the Kingdom when I think like Jesus brought them all over and one of the Kingdom Knights is like, stop, hark, who goes, oh shit, Jesus, is that you? (laughs) Yo, my main man, Jesus. Hey, what's up? (laughs) I was like, yeah, just kind of put the Renaissance Fair stuff on the background. What the the deal, baby J? Nobody talks like that. Sorry. But they really were going to be like, hark, who goes, who goes? I think they did drop that, though, in a way. They and did. They, they kind of left it to just Zeke. He's like, uh, just you He's take like, over, Zeke. Right. You can handle this this uh, royal speak, royal yeah. uh, middle English. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay, so there is one more important thing. And what we have never seen before, I don't think, in such a plain-sighted manner, is that for the first time, Negan owns up. Negan takes responsibility for his actions. Which is more than I can say about Rick. Sorry. Right. Or not even his actions. The actions of somebody else in his company. Because guess what? That's called good management. People. It's called accountability, baby. Accountability and good management. And the actions of your subordinates is a reflection on you. So the fact that Simon, your right-hand man, is the one that basically caused this chaos, that falls on you, buddy. Because basically, like, she's looking at the idea that you made that call for that to happen because they're your people, right? Right. So he has to kind of take responsibility, even though he didn't make that order. I expected him to say, this was not me, I'll make it right. But I didn't expect him to say, that's on me. That's on me. I really didn't at all. And I believe him when he says that. I believe the earnest emotion in which he's saying, yes, that is on me yeah he wouldn't lie too like he wouldn't normally he would just say what he's feeling Mm -hmm. there's no there's no rationale on earth that would say that he would be lying about that because first of all there's no indication that he's ever considered taking responsibility for anything so he's Mm -hmm. never really said it yeah and even if you thought he might have it's never been revealed in like an aside or in a moment where he's said he's felt like he should have taken responsibility but i think this is the one time where you see it and you hear it you saw it in his face he said it out loud And I'm kind of shocked by it a little bit because every time he did something to Glenn Abraham, anybody shot Olivia in the face, right? The face. And... Mm -hmm. He said it was on them. He said it's it's that's on you. Mm-hmm. All his cruelty. Yep. That's on you. But mm-hmm. this this was this was something else. And yeah, accountability. Right. I I was just blown away. And I I think so too. Yeah, I was blown away just as well. Yeah. I think the only thing that I want to cover on this front, and I just want to get it out of the way, is that he does pick somebody up on the way back to the sanctuary. And the, <sighs> yes. And the only person I can think of is Laura. 
I agree. And this makes everything way more interesting. The fact that you keep the identity of Laura's secret means that not only does he have it in for Simon, which we're expecting. But Dwight. But something's happening with Dwight. I don't know Mm. what. Or or Mm. it could be the only, I could thought of one person just now and I don't know why I thought that. Sherry? Yeah, well, there's a few ideas circulating around that it could be Sherry, it could be Laura, or it could be Gregory. And um, Oh, snap, we did not see Gregory. We did not see Gregory, and you know that Gregory escaped, obviously, when the prisoners escaped. So he's out there. If shit could shit, it still wouldn't look as shitty as you. Yeah, that yes. makes more sense that it would be Gregory, I think. Gregory is not the most martial character, <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, then he gets shit shit on all the time, so it's kind of like, that makes way more sense to me. It, it does make sense. For me personally, it's between Laura and Gregory. My first instinct was to say Laura. Yeah, me Absolutely. too. Absolutely. That would be and way more compelling to me. It would be more compelling. It's certainly believable that he would pick up Gregory also. <laughs> It's it's very believable. Like either option is highly believable. And maybe it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not both going to come into play anyway. Yeah. I think that Laura is definitely going to resurface. And I think Gregory also, maybe one ends up in the sanctuary in one way and one ends up, you know, being picked up by Negan. I don't know. I got to think that Laura, I'm still going to say Laura. I'm still going to say that it's her. And I think that too, just because if I think about that scene, the silhouette, like somebody, yes, yeah. the silhouette is not like, you know, Gregory's not a small man. You know, he's a tall, you know, you know, grown man. And like the silhouette didn't seem of a grown man. It seemed like somebody more petite. Yeah. Definitely somebody smaller. Not scraggly. It, 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 I mean, honestly, I, the, the best I could make out was that it, it actually was somebody who had dark hair and fair skin. Right, right. It looked female. Definitely looked female. Point. Definitely looked female. Some people are like really going on a, on a deep end and they're like, it's Carl. I'm like, stop. Stop with that. Carl's dead. Let that go. No. <laughs> it's zombie Carl. And, the, and Negan no. is attached to it. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I mean, would, that, would, that would really be shit, shit, <laughs> shitting on shit and still looking like shit. Well, you... <laughs> Because you know what the theory is on the show. Always, it's always like Ugh. if you don't if you don't see a body, the death, and you don't see a body, don't assume. But I think that that is a far stretch. If Negan saw Carl, his reaction would not have been that reaction. He would have looked like he just saw a ghost. Oh but yeah, punch it, in the stomach. Right. It would be a very very different reaction. So I have to say that it's probably Laura or Gregory. It's got to be one of the two. But I'm still. I'm 80% sure that it's Laura. Yeah. You know what, though? I, whenever I'm presented with two logical choices like Gregory or Laura, and there's the hook shot of Sherry, mm. I don't know. I always feel inclined to choose the hook shot because the, re- <laughs> the reward is greater. So I'm going to go yeah. with Sherry just for the just for kicks. I think you, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, like even though he one, wouldn't be happy to see her. That's that's, that's the, thing. the thing. His reaction would not have been the, that sort of reaction if he would have like seen Sherry. It would have right. been a different sort of reaction. But I think like his comical sort of like, dang, you look like shit. I feel like that reaction may, would make sense for if he saw like Laura or if he saw Gregory for sure. Yeah, somebody you familiar know? and maybe even expecting to see at some point. Yeah, know. kind of like, dang, get in, man. Let's head over there. You know, like two people that are already familiar with the sanctuary. Familiar faces, basically. Yeah. So the, the only reason why it makes more sense to be Laura is that we'd only just seen Gregory. Laura, we kind of right. passed exactly. by. Right. For and those we know who, that she's out there. Yeah, for those who don't 
don't remember, Laura is the... Neck tattoo. Right, neck tattoo savior that basically finds out that Dwight turned on everybody after everybody was killed. And she hasn't been seen since. Since the attack on Alexandria. Correct. Half, you know, at the half season mark. Exactly. And when they, you know, when they get to the sanctuary and, you know, he tells the guard, it's like, don't tell anybody that I'm here. You know, daddy's home. But, it's a surprise. Uh, I've had a lot of surprises. I was like, oh, you're awesome. But- Holy <laughs> shit. this is gonna be awesome yeah it's it's funny how you can go from a moment like a really like he has this moment with jadis and then you have you go right back into your shtick buddy because he has to like but at the same time you know he very much is somebody like i've always said who has a very particular code of ethos and it's like he rules in a certain way and you follow the rules and if you don't follow the rules and you are punished Clearly, you know, the inmates have been running the asylum. And so he's got to kind of come in and, you know, bring order again to the place. So for better or worse, that's basically how he how he thinks. So and I mean, you definitely get the impression that he's coming back with this knowledge. I mean, we know he's coming back with knowledge because we know that he knows what Simon did at the junkyard. He knows it from Rick and he knows it from Jadis. So he he knows for a fact that that happened. And he may may even know it from past mistakes. Right. Exactly. He may already have like a background history there that kind of informs that this this is not a shock necessarily. But then the question is, it's like, is that Laura in the car? And if that's the case, then that has implications, obviously, for Dwight also. Right. And I'm going to skip to that sneak peek Mm -hmm. with Simon going to Daryl again to try to split off from the saviors. Mm. And... Man, <laughs> this could be potentially really bad for Dwight if he's even caught talking to Simon. Right, because Simon's not that nice. They can, they can make associations. Yeah. All right? Yeah, it's kind of like you don't want to associate with that person at work that's already kind of on thin ice because you don't want people to think that you're like in cahoots with them. Right. But, you know, we do have one more thing that we didn't even think about. They still never resolved who the traitor was in their midst. No, and that's where, like, Laura would come in. Like, if, in fact, it is Laura that right. he's picked up. Right, exactly. Exactly. Because she holds that information. She knows. The other thing, actually, that would have major implications, and I don't know if it's going to come into play, but remember there was that episode where Dwight and Eugene had their own kind of back and forth, and Eugene was on the rooftop trying to distract the walker herd, right. and he had the recording. He had, like, this this thing. It was a tape recorder, right? It was, a t- it was a tape recorder, and it recorded the conversation between him and Dwight, where Dwight is basically like, you know, back off i'm with them like dwight's confession essentially did, you know did he record that yeah i think I so i think like we need or to you like, think he might have I, I don't remember hearing a playback of any kind but no there was no playback of any kind but i feel like the way it was filmed like it kind of gave you the impression that he could that that, yeah. that conversation was like possibly recorded so i kind of feel like you showed that so it makes me feel like that may still exist there might be some significance to him actually bringing his his scientific notes with him on a tape recorder. Right. That's a good point. When he was on that rooftop, he was kind of like, he had the tape recorder and he was recording his findings of what he was about to do. I'm about to do this, blah, 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 blah. So that tape recorder recorded the conversation that he had with Dwight at that moment in the rooftop where right. Dwight basically is threatening him to stop because he's working with Frick and team and this is all part of the plan, blah, blah, blah. That all got recorded. Mm. Yo, Eugene isn't as dumb as he looks. But that could also have implications for Eugene because then that means that Eugene was aware and I didn't say anything to Negan. Also, good point. <laughs> 
It puts a lot of people in very precarious positions right now. Eugene, Dwight, Simon, they're all kind of in very, very shaky ground. Right. But you know who's in the worst position out of all of them? Negan. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody around him almost is... Is trying to push him out. It's uh, Yeah, they're unreliable. They don't get him. They don't Mm -hmm. get his his philosophy. Mm -hmm. Eugene is probably as close as anybody could get. Even calls Negan out on it at one point. He's just afraid. (laughs) But then you have this evidence, right? You have this, you know, oh, you can't... you can't, I can't even trust you to come to me to make, so I can make the decision. Right, exactly. Oof. Right. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's like sin of omission or crime of omission. Right, yeah, that's exactly right. So, a, lie, a lie of omission. A lie yeah. of omission, yeah. Which is such a shame. Because you I, are Team Negan now. Because I am Team Negan. <laughs> I am, I'm like 110%. I'm like... I'm Rick, not, but just Rick, to be clear, Rick, <laughs> somebody's got to stand this ground. <laughs> somebody has to stand their ground. I'm like, well, I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> I like AC. I'm drinking I, the Kool-Aid. I like AC. You know, they've got, you know, market, barbers. They've got commerce. <laughs> <laughs> they may have so leather. They may have. Apparently no, they, they clear, do. Clearly leather goods. At least leather for like their lieutenants. Right, their soldiers maybe, even. For their, exactly. Leather for their soldiers. Maybe pleather for the sports. <laughs> For the squires. For the squires. <laughs> oh no, we're back at the kingdom. No, no, <laughs> let's go oh, back. God, but the but the thing is, it's like I I will find it very interesting. Whoever's in that car, like I said, it could, could be Gregory. Somebody, I, I think somebody posted somewhere on Twitter that they thought it would be Gregory that was picked up because there was some sort of scene. There have been like snapshots released of like this week's coming episode, and they show Gregory at the sanctuary. So they're like, well, if Gregory's mm. at the sanctuary. Oh, he probably made his way. He could have made his way on his own. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's, it's still very possible that he could have made his way on his own without necessarily being picked up, which is why I say it's very possible that they both could be at the sanctuary. One gets there in one way and one gets there, you know, being picked up. Oh, and hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. That would mean that at some point, and I, it could be that Gregory had made it there before everybody else because the escapees had made it to this bar right uh, just to kind of hold out and gregory being gregory and this makes total sense does not want to hang around at this bar to watch people decapitate limbs and stuff and right and, and then f- figure out what they're going to do next and gregory would just move on ahead hey i'll i'll, I'll you know i'll scout ahead you know, ahead, guys all right you do your thing yeah <laughs> let, let you know how things go out no nah, not mm-hmm. really you're on your own yeah so that it is, is a very gregory move exactly but it is interesting that he wasn't a part of that group and you know yeah. what, you think he would be just for the protection? I mean, he mm-hmm. has no survival skills. No. Yeah, it, which is probably why he looks like shit on shit. Like, exactly. sh- if shit shat out shit, you know, that he would still, still look worse. <laughs> he still looks worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we do need to point out that Daryl and Rosita, they figure out they, they got to go to the machine shop. We, yes, I'm kind of disappointed point. that we didn't see more. But yeah, they kind of teased it, but. And um, that's all that was there. And that's all that the was. The tease. That was it, you know. But yeah, I mean, what do you think? I I don't think that they're going to take out Eugene as much as they said, like, oh, we got to take out the machines. You take out the bullet maker or whatever. I think that's what Rosita says to Daryl. Yeah. Forget the machines. Yeah. Yeah. Take out the man. Yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think that that that's going to happen. I I don't when they're when they're put in the position, I don't think that they'll do it. And I think that this will be the opportunity that they'll get to maybe potentially 
I don't know if I would say sway, but like, I, I've always said that it's like Eugene wants to help Rick and team, but he says very, he's, he's, he's a coward. Eugene is a coward. We have to remember Eugene and Father Gabriel are, in, are there. So it would be interesting if Rosita and Daryl come. I am sure, I, I wonder how they will react to finding Father Gabriel, especially in the state that he's in. Yeah, how will uh, they change their, their plan? How will that change their plan necessarily? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that they're just going to go in there and take out Eugene, especially like seeing Father Gabriel there and his situation I think that they I think something will change I don't know necessarily know where it will go and what the outcome will be necessarily but yeah something yeah it's, I don't see them just kind of going in there and taking out Eugene I don't think Eugene's getting killed off I don't. no I don't think so either well we do see from the sneak peeks we can go there fine <laughs> That, sure. that getting to the machine shop is not as easy as they think it's going to be. There's obviously some walkers in the way. Yep. Regina is there. I noted that. Because I, yes, I noted that too. I saw she's that. She's a tough cookie, y'all. She is a tough cookie, yeah. So I don't think it's going to be as easy to even get to him, if no. assuming they even make it. Right. And don't turn back or do something or whatnot. But Right. It's a tough one. Yeah. That is going to be a tough one. I and mean, it, I... I, I have no doubt that they'll find a way to ba- make their way through and get in there. But once they get in there, it's going to be a different situation. And I don't know what necessarily happens at that point. Oh, and but, Regina has to drop out, by the way, because she's the only one that it hasn't been unreliable or dead. Right, yes. From the top. And if she's out, if she's taken out somehow, mm-hmm. that's it. Negan's... Lieutenants. The lieutenants are all gone. Yeah, that is very true. She and I think is, that needs to happen for, yeah. in order for things to proceed, because... That's why that's why I mean by Negan's in the most precarious position out of yes. all of them because and it's the same reason why he didn't do anything about Simon after Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that it's it would be one thing if one guy did something and you kind of just swept it under under the rug and said, "Okay, I put him in his place or whatever. I get, had a talk with him, said don't ever do that again, whatever." Mm-hmm. But it's another thing when your whole cabinet is corrupt, right? Or corrupted, or or unreliable, or dead. Unreliable, yeah, or dead too. I mean, yeah. it was hard enough to get these people on board. Probably loyalty is one thing. That's fine. You know, you can get loyalty, but none of them ever really understood his plan except for maybe Eugene, and that was a tough sell that as it was. That was a tough was. sell, still. Yeah, I, I mean, mean you, to try to recruit these survivors, mm-hmm. you know, and the and Eugene being the the weakest link in in the Alexandrian chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't exactly savior bread. You know, he he wasn't exactly saved by the saviors in the same yeah. formula and brought up through those ranks. He was from another party that they poached. Right. So there, there's got to be a trust issue still. Mm-hmm. Even though Negan appears to favor Eugene in the beginning, mm-hmm. there's still got to be some issues there. Yeah, I, and I so, think so it's it's really a full deck that's gone that's folded really. And yeah. Regina's the last card. She's like the the jack. The jack, yeah. In the, in the face deck. She is. She. It is true. I mean, if you think about his removal of lieutenants, she's she's the last one. Right. Right. Simon would be a king. Uh, Eugene, I guess, would be a queen. <laughs> his chief of engineering. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's his title. He has a title. I'm a chief engineer. <laughs> Gosh. As a side note, it's so crazy to hear the actor that plays Eugene when he's just talking normally. It's <laughs> yeah, so... he just sounds like this. <laughs> he is, he's like such a normal, just happy guy. And like... Uh... Josh McDermott. I was also on Twitter and I saw like the Twitter account of the guy who plays Jared, who was obviously savagely and brutally killed. 
this oh, Josh McKell, yeah. And he seems like such a cool guy, and I'm like, man. He's so cute. And I'm like, dang, man. Like, it's so hard ooh. to hate you. Like, you, you, it's so funny. <laughs> it's like you look at people's feeds, and you're like, oh, you seem like a cool person. And it's like, man, but you are a really convincing douche. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even that he's, like, a cool person. He's, like, cute. Like, not, like, in the, like, oh, oh, he's so cute. No, he's like, how are you this adorable? Yeah, he seems like a nice person, like just kind of like, like funny, like quirky, kind of funny, like just sort of like, like silly, like a silly yeah. person, you know, like a silly kind of personality, which is obviously so different from this youngest <laughs> douche. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, every, that everybody's been waiting for like a very horrible death to befall this character and it did yeah <laughs> a lot of people are equating and we'll get um, we'll obviously get to that whole scene but a lot of equating people are equating his, yeah i don't think it compares i'm so sorry i i i, I was gonna say like just, i mean noah's it, death ruined me noah's it just ruined death, me for the rest of my life that season <laughs> was horrifying yeah like, like i mean because and i think i want to say that that same episode also had the death of one of deanna's sons that was also yeah. brutally eaten a lot i mean oh my god that was a horrible episode yeah yeah i mean horrible yeah. in the sense that it was just the brutality was just oh oh guts streaming everywhere it was just, like just a, oh it was guts god. confetti for real oh my god it's disgusting <laughs> it's like i mean that's the thing it's like i i am not one of those people that like just gets off on that at all i love this show for like the story and like the plot line and you know obviously there's aspects of, of the genre i should say the, the, the whole horror zombie genre that are cool you know obviously right but i am a little squeamish when it comes to certain things and once it gets to a certain level i'm like okay i can't <laughs> been much for me yeah we've been pretty lucky I mean, on this show on the whole, yes. we've, we, you get, it further reinforces the fact that it's not a zombie show. I mean, right. it has zombie el- zombie flick elements, but right. well, and that's it's where way th- more than that. And you get spared a lot of the worst stuff, right. I think. And I think the thing is that that's why you're getting this sort of blowback sometimes from certain fans because they want to see more of the zombie stuff. Me, I like the storyline. I like the plot. Like, right. so we like me. humongous douches. We, l- we <laughs> like clever people. We like people that talk about balls all the time he and shine does. Shiny balls. He does talk a lot, but you know, to his to his credit, I know I'm like I'm like his lawyer. I'm like, I'm like his biggest defender. I'm like, yeah, sure. You weren't credit. at first, though. Let's be real. No, no, no. I wasn't at first. I think that they've done a better job of stepping away from that dialogue. You know, giving you some of it, but also fleshing it out a little bit more. Right. Because in the comic book, you don't get this depth of like him taking accountability for things and even the conversation that him and Rick had with their whole cat and mouse sort of chase a couple of episodes ago. You know, that's not in the comic book. You know, like there's a method to their madness, whereas Simon is just on another level. Right. right. Well, he's a complete machination of the show, too. But part of the reason why we like The Walking Dead is how real it can get. And Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why you could be worried in the initial about the Negan character is that how are you going to make this guy real? This guy is in the comic. He's just such a card. And and so I think it's fine. I think disruptions Mm -hmm. like that on the show are fine. It's kind of like the Father Gabriel effect in a way. Like, oh, gosh, what are you going to do with this guy? How is this guy going to... And so far he survived. Yeah. But it's the same thing with Negan. You introduce this character, he is exactly like he is on the comic. You know, mm-hmm. you have a little bit more of a gritty uh, feel for him, just as the actor is like more, a little older, he's a little more seasoned. 
Right, seasoned, right. You have this disruption, and then you can start digging a little bit around, a little mm-hmm. underneath. You start to see things that you wouldn't see in the comic, let's say. Right. The little right. little reveals of humanity somewhere. Yeah, you can't necessarily do that. And that's why I, I do get frustrated sometimes, because you have these huge comic book fans. E- even like with this past episode, they were up in arms because they're like, oh, you know, this is making Rick look like this. And Rick is the hero and whatever. And I'm like, okay, calm down. There's some level of adaptability that has to happen. In order for it to make sense, it's got to make sense to an extent. Right, right. And it has to make sense with the with the way the show's been going. Mm-hmm. The people that have hung on to this show are people who really dig on people that are real. Right. So you can't really have this this weird dichotomy between somebody that acts like the comic and somebody that acts like everybody else. <laughs> right. Because it just doesn't jive. But it's no. good to have something like that in the initial because then it's like, what? <laughs> Who is right. this guy? Right. And to, then slowly... An yeah, yeah. And then slowly you peel... You may peel, you may chisel off a little bit because it seems like with Negan, it's taken this long to, to get this far. True. So, yeah. But that's good because it's tweaking the game theory like I mentioned the other week. I'm well aware of, of, of what they're trying to do with some of these characters. And especially with Negan, it's kind of like, well, let's just keep let's keep holding back. Let's keep holding back. And this is the closest that we've gotten to any sort of backstory since the confessional. And even then, that was just a that was just like if you're if you had an ice cream cone and you had the tip of your tongue on the ice cream, mm-hmm. that's all you got from that Father Gabriel confessional episode. Mm-hmm. This was kind of like a lick. We got a lick yeah. of the ice cream cone. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I want ice cream. But still, and Negan is the ice cream. If Negan was an ice cream flavor, what would he be? Rocky Road. <laughs> Damn, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> you had that in the pocket. <laughs> what the I, hell? I just shot from the hip there. Total <laughs> shot from the hip. <laughs> that, I, there's no perfect, more perfect answer than that. I don't, I don't think. I don't it, think so. It's something that looks totally horrible, but when you eat it, it's like, oh, there's so much here. <laughs> there you go. There's substance. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I'm looking, I'm looking at you, Wink. <laughs> <laughs> so before we put this all away i'm digging on and this is, take us two seconds daryl and tara's conversation there is no more Terrell anymore no seems as though tara is walking away just like yep. rosita did just like michonne did and daryl is left as the only one really in that group let's say he needs to own it dwight. if he's if he does anything to dwight it's on him it's on him because nobody else is uh signing on for that well it's it's kind of a repeating theme this this is really what's going to set the stage for the rest of this episode because it seems as though people like Daryl and people like Rick, there's especially Morgan. Morgan is the deepest in yeah. when it comes to committing to wiping out opposition. Mm-hmm. And then you have Rick, especially with what, what he did in this episode. And then Daryl is kind of like the, he's like the headline. He's the copy. He's the title to the article. And it, yes. it's in the most simplest of terms without, any, without complicating anything because his struggle is more silent. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, ver- sure. it's very easy to see. He's still stuck on it. I really do think we're going to come to a point where I think it will come to a head with him, between him and Dwight. Do you think that one of them will end up having to pay the ultimate price? I don't think so. Okay. Because I feel like Dwight is a safe character. I think so, too. I know that some people theorize that Dwight and Daryl are sort of like mirror images of each other in a certain way. So they feel that they can't both exist. But mm. I do agree. So we're like in a Highlander situation. There can only yes, be one. Yes, they can only be one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I just, I don't know that I agree with that. I think this is a tough one. I mean, Mm -hmm. the only way I could see this shaking out is that Daryl bites it. And Daryl biting it would be completely legit, except that from a ratings perspective, I don't think they would ever do it. Well, he's got to work on riding with Norman Reedus. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> he needs more time to travel. But <laughs> not <a bad laughs> that's why they're not the giving way. him any lines because, you know, he's got to read them and memorize them. No. I got to go to Spain, y'all. I feel like they have an attachment to people that they've tweaked too much, like Carol. Yes. And people that they've made up. Simon was made up to be ended. Yes. But even keeping Rick's hand, they're attached to that. I don't think they're going to go back to that. No, I don't think so either. It's gone too far. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's really tough to get rid of the people that they've made up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, the only way I could think of them getting rid of Dwight is if Sherry takes over where Dwight left off, let's say, like in memory Mm -hmm. of or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. The only way I could see it. Yeah. And the only reason why I say that is because, look, we lost Carl pretty early. There's right. no telling who is safe, in sure. a sense. Yeah. Carol Carol's still on shaky ground a little bit. She is a bit on shaky ground. Even though she, she's been tweaked too much. She she has. I think that she's still relatively safe. We're dealing with people who are in a situation. They're stuck. And Carol is slipping into the idea of losing Sophia. It's happened before. She feels like she's slipping into her old life, you know, being the battered housewife, you know, expecting everything to kind of turn out bad. Morgan is already in that situation. And he's deep in. It always turns the same. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be you that wipes everybody out. It's like in degrees. It's like Carol, she goes in, makes it out. Rick goes in, and we don't know what can happen after he reads Carl's letter. Morgan is the tough one. Yes. And Morgan actually, out of all these people, and Rick a little bit, but more Morgan, he's the one that breaks my heart the most. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because the the first scene that we get is that Carol is afraid she might find Henry, Henry dead. Right. Confronts Zeke. She doesn't really tell him at first why. And I think that's good that she ends up telling the story about Sophia, the way her life was. And I think she really frames what everybody is going through in the best way possible. She says that as a result of being around people that really helped her out through this situation, she was able to find the best version of herself. Yeah. And even though there are times where she feels like she can slip into that mode, to falling into her old life, she just has to really rely on the relationships that she's built in order to help take her out. And now she has more friends than before. She has not only Rick and Maggie and all them, but she has Zeke also to remind her to kind of, look, look just fake it till you make it. It's mm-hmm. like an additional layer of protection now to kind of bring her back. Yeah. You know, it doesn't hurt that she gets a win in this episode. It's yeah, I'm glad she does. That was that was a very good moment. Very overwhelming. Oh yeah. To take everybody through that, obviously Henry's missing. Carol is avoiding trying to seek seek him out. And we have a situation where she does not want to see what she eventually thinks she'll see. She just feels in her bones. It's just it's just gonna turn out like as Morgan says, as it always does. Mm-hmm. Isn't it rough? You have this one person who is just reminding you. It's like that annoying friend, that Debbie <laughs> Downer, that <laughs> You know how it's going to turn out. He's just cheating on you. You know, it's it's like, it's just going to turn out the way it always is, Carol. I think most of us would probably go along with what Morgan's saying. Right. It's just so hard sometimes with friends that are always around you being really negative. Mm. So for her to kind of come out the other side, it really does show her strength, though, to be able to push away Morgan, even though she's feeling these things herself. Mm-hmm. It's like she needs to know at some point. At some point, it's kind of like the stick is there. It's obvious that there's some sign that he's struggled. Now I have to know. You know I'm not going to turn away now. And Morgan's stuck. Yeah. He just cannot. He cannot. He can't do it. He can't. No. And we do see why later on. <sighs> and to see Henry in that same little setting where they left Sophia in season one. How amazing I, is that? That was a great touch. They I, left I, Sophia there mm-hmm. and out came Henry. Yeah. It's, I, like she, I, it's like she found Sophia. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I, I thought that was great. I thought that was a really, really good, really good job writing wise. Oh, yeah. And let me take you to that scene too. She finds his shoulder plate. She goes to the, to 
to the little grove where the tree roots are, mm-hmm. finds Henry alive, and she says something, crying, obviously. You could survive. I was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is true. She and Henry are armed with so much more than the way she was before and yeah. what Sophia was armed with. She had no fighting skills at all. No. She, had no, she had no survival. She couldn't even no, no confront way. her husband. No way. She was like one of those battered housewives. She was. She should have given him a little bit more credit. And you could even tell, I don't think it was until that moment that I realized she had been treating Henry like Sophia and Lizzie and me. Yeah, Micah, I think Micah, it was. Micah, right. Mm-hmm. She had been yeah. treating Henry just like them. Yeah. All this time. And isn't it funny, him having actually be the brother of uh, the actress that played Sophia? Yeah. I mean, there's a little interplay there. Like, oh, you look so much like Sophia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it was, I think it was really well done. A little meta, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) definitely. And and I like when they reference the past, too. I feel like so much in in the show is just sort of like, oh, this happened and you move on and that's it. It's like, no, she lost her daughter. It's a big deal. So I'm glad that it was revisited and recognized and she got some kind of closure. You know, she couldn't save Sophia, but she saved Henry. Right, least. right. And, and you know what? We got these callbacks for all three people. Yeah, we, we did, did. We did get it with Rick in, in a fashion. When mm-hmm. Rick when Rick left Hilltop, the reason why he leaves is he sees the bag with his hat that Carl wore and he just couldn't take it. Yeah. It's this reminder. I mean, that's part of it. But what really connects it is seeing Morgan Mm -hmm. and Morgan on his path. And there is a callback from Morgan as well. Rick and Morgan eventually get caught by the escapees at the bar and they get tied up. And the reason for this episode, it's got to mean something, a man's word, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is actually a callback to an earlier episode about, I think it was at the prison, maybe with the prisoners. And that's what got them to actually join forces. You may be prisoners, but you know what? We're all alive and it's got to be better than what you, what you're dealing with before being in jail. You be in this block, I'll be in this block never the twin twain shall meet unless we need something from each other Mm -hmm. from our respective Mm -hmm. communities yeah the reason why that's such a good callback is because in spite of this obviously bad element he was able to somehow hash it out and with the escapees it's not that dire no these people are obviously conflicted even at the last second when jared is about to get rid of uh, morgan and rick Mm -hmm. and in spite of the fact that jared is saying oh we hand these guys over to negan we are straight we are on the up right somebody still comes and stops jared from actually killing them as the walkers come in yes and i was like okay oh they're they're they are not as set on jared as as we thought they were like jared threw up a very good point yeah very convincing argument to get back in the favor of the saviors Mm -hmm. i was kind of pleased by that and then what happened during the kerfuffle just i just went oh my god and morgan and rick slaughters all of them yeah Yeah. what what were you feeling when that happened i was like come on man i was (laughs) i was very disappointed not angry i'm just disappointed i just i I was angry (laughs) morgan i get more yeah morgan (laughs) morgan's been on this trajectory for quite some time Rick, again, he's basically flipping off Carl's last wishes. We know how Carl felt about all this, and you're basically just turning your back on that. Maybe it was lost in translation. Maybe I'll make it real by, oh, by deleting all of them. (laughs) Then, you know, we'll, it's like Minecraft, we'll build over them. I think everybody's kind of looking at Rick with the side eye. I mean, even when he returns after this slaughter, they take a moment on the camera to show Al and... Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, They kind of gave him these kind of looks. I I don't think that Rick's... 
and well, if, if people don't get why they're doing that, Al has this moment with Rick when, right. Rick, when Rick confronts him about where they would, might be. And he says, look, he says, hey, not for nothing. I love that he said that, by the way. I did love I did enjoy that. <laughs> I was like, Al's from the tri-state area. Definitely. He's from New Jersey. <laughs> He's uh, from New Jersey. He probably is. Or from the Bronx. Everybody I knew from the Bronx always said, not for nothing. <laughs> not for nothing, but... Not for nothing, but... He basically says some of these guys made a choice in a pinch. And some of them, I think they know they've made the wrong choice. Especially considering how Simon threw them under the bus. Right. But he says, you could show them, though. You could show them by bringing them back. <laughs> and yeah. Rick, Rick says, oh, yeah, I could show them. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, yeah. you know, after seeing him spattered in blood, no explanation. The, uh, the, everyone knows. And know. nobody's with him. Right. Al's just kind of like looking down being like, you know, I expected better from you. I, I just think that there's, it's, and with the other it's, it's lady, worrying, though. I think it's, it's meant to basically raise a red flag on like these two men that are at the helm of this war, Negan and Rick, do not necessarily have people in their arsenals that believe in them, necessarily. Actually, they have the opposite problem, right? They have, they have the opposite problem, and it's in different ways. In Negan's case, I think his lieutenants want to basically have a coup and, and obtain power, at least in Simon's case. Right. You know? Whereas in Rick's case, I think that they're starting to look at him as unstable and not necessarily the most effective leader. I don't know. I don't know if we're there yet, but I will say this. I feel like Rick has all the support. They get him. You know, he has all the people around him that trust him, that get him. But I think that that's potentially wavering. Yeah. Well, at least Michonne's kind of the buffer right there. Right. She's the buffer. She needs to be tougher on him. Yeah. She's made it. She's made it, though, that nobody else can really see what she sees right basically right and with Negan I'm gonna go even as far as as to say that he has a crappy set set of loyalty around him right lackeys whereas but he does have he does get it yeah exactly he does not even that if if he had that he'd be in good shape but he just has terrible lackeys right he does not have support he has might he rules by might but what he has on his side is that he gets this world and mm-hmm. he has he has something that's written down, a code that he's written down, does not get emotionally charged up, does not make decisions off the cuff. He has a plan and he's not bogged down by those kinds of problems, those those emotional issues. He's channeled it into his bat, so he's handled it, but into Lucille. That's basically the limit of his emotion. And when somebody else touches Lucille, better watch out. But otherwise, we're cool as cucumbers. Right. But all around him, none of the trust. I mean, if you put, if you switch these guys, oh my god, the hilltop yeah. would be reigning supreme. Yeah. And, and Rick's crew would be just continually at war. He has all the soldiers. He could probably tell them what to do. Ugh, you know? Yeah. No, it's true. New Glenn, Al... Yes. What, what do you think his fate is? Given what he's seen and what Rick knows. I mean, he's wiped out all the other guys. What's to say that he doesn't do the same to Al? I think Al survives. Hmm. But I, I think do you does. think that something will happen? Do you think there'll be like a confrontation? No, I don't think, think Al's going to so. stay away. <laughs> I think Al's going to stay away. <laughs> Al doesn't come across as a confrontational type. And I don't think that Rick feels particularly threatened by him. Oh, God. No. Um, so, no, not at all. <laughs> So I, I think he's just going to lay low. I think he'll continue to be there. You think Al's going to continue to try to maybe even talk to Rick at this point? I don't think. I mean, after he shows up, the state that he does, I don't think that he would talk to Rick. Maggie, sure. But I don't think Rick. Mm. No, Rick is a lost cause in my book. See, that's the thing. At the end of the episode, I have a little bit more hope. I think okay. he, re- he reads the letter. 
And some of us even know what the contents of that letter is. How in the world did people I don't know. Get that? I have no idea. They must have access to the next episode because I think that in the next episode, it starts with him reading his note. So that must be how they get it. Because I'm like, how in the world do you get this dial- this whole monologue? There's no other way. Yeah, Instagram is all lit with it. I, yeah. I, was, I was thinking maybe the comic, but... I, I, no. No, right? Nope, 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 mm. nope. <sighs> They, they must have transcribed it from like the next episode. Oh, yeah. So the Rick callback, there's another Rick callback. Sorry. I, was, I don't know why I just went off <laughs> just <laughs> to that. <laughs> but I, I, wanted, I wanted to get to it because it was still fresh in my mind is that, yes, he saw the hat, but Michonne also brings a callback and it's to her life, how they found her and mm-hmm. how Andrea, Andrea brought her back. I loved all the callbacks. Yeah. But what was so great about that is because I think that was in the back of my mind when I, when I was thinking to myself, like, Michonne, you're the best person to bring Rick back. You know, you had your experience with Andrea. She brought you back she brought you into a place where she you you could actually see a future Mm -hmm. instead of being stuck in the past and just being this soldier person you Mm. could she even found a point at which she could actually lay down her katana yeah you know at the mantle you know in alexandria i do remember that and what's even more great about that because this is the only bit of real comic knowledge that i have (laughs) is that Mm -hmm. michonne really is the kind of what andrea was supposed to be correct and to have that thread, I think is really kind of cool. I think so too. I think it was cool. As a patch, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Morgan. Oh, Morgan. Mm. His whole thing, it's just going to boil down to this. He's supposed to kill everybody. It's his job. It's what he's supposed to do. That's his function from here on in. Yes. And this is as far as I've gathered. If you want to correct me anyway, I would welcome it because... Between last episode and this episode, part of me was kind of like, what is this? Is this is there something more to this? Or, or is something not being revealed here? Mm-hmm. Like you were supposed to. This is what you're supposed to do. Why are you wavering? Why are you trying to go back to your old life? No, you're supposed to be killing people. You're supposed to be killing your enemies, putting them down. Yeah. But he reveals that it always ends the same. Mm-hmm. People turn. You mm-hmm. all turn. We all turn in the end. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Saving yeah. people doesn't matter because in the end, they die and they turn. Yep. It's like a reverse mantra. You're trying to convince yourself to not reach out again. Yeah. It's, yeah. Th- it's twisted. It is pretty twisted. Rick has a moment with a dying savior. And oh my God, I'm getting emotional for some reason. Oh God. <laughs> it's that time of night, people. Oh God. He says, basically, you you said and then rick says i lied yeah and he says we could have lived after this and just he just ends him it's it's brutal right and then morgan just strolls on in after mm-hmm. obviously killing jared mm-hmm. he just says he just says it he just says, everybody turns and rick i think is having a moment i think he realizes that he had to put him down anyway mm-hmm. but i also realized that he didn't want him to say anymore because mm-hmm. i think it was starting to get to him yeah he's just struggling he's like why did you even bother saving me mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. would have died maybe in the street right in front of your house you didn't know me why'd you do it just tell me why'd you save me mm-hmm. you had your you had your son there and he says because my son was there mm-hmm. and that was it and then you know i just started like bawling <laughs> at the second watch i didn't i didn't do it the first watch but it was the second watch when it really just hit me and then you have this thread with sophia and henry and then you have this thread with Michonne and, and Andrea. Yeah. Michonne had a family. Brothers and sisters and, and, and daughters, was it? Sons? It was a son. She had a, a son. son. Mm-hmm. At least in the flashback that they had shown yeah. in that one episode. So surreal, too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Michonne would have been lost 
completely. Yeah. But yeah, you realize that everything Morgan Jones has done is a direct result of him losing his son. Yep. They never have gone into exactly what happened, I don't think. They did touch on it in clear. His thing is that he was never able to put down his wife. He just kind of let her live as a walker. And I think from clear, he mentioned like she was the one that got his son. He wasn't able to have the guts to kind of put her down. And ironically, she was the one who ended up taking out their son. Right, right. And you know what? In him saying that it was because I had my son, mm-hmm. it just throws the ball back to Rick. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, you put all the goodness that you had, all the steering in the right direction that you had, and wanting to reach out and wanting to help the stranger, you put that all in Carl, you left it there, you wanted to go on your vendetta, and it turns out your son was dying. Yeah. And you realized, oh shit, I put the best part of me in him, and is it gone forever? Mm-hmm. Like Morgan. Am I like Morgan? I think that's scary for him. I think it is scary. I don't think he's a lost cause. And that's the only reason why. There is a moment there. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you think that he is not a lost cause. I don't think he is. It's more clear to me that he's not when he starts reading the letter. Mm -hmm. And he starts realizing that this is what I was afraid of reading. I was afraid of having to face this part of me. Because he already started doing it with Morgan. It makes it more believable that he confronted this part of himself with Morgan Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. first. And then it gives us a little bit of pretense for when he reads the letter. Because if he just read the letter and decided, hey, everything's great. At this point, I would have been a bit more, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But with this moment with Morgan, it really ties all the things these three people have been going through together. Mm-hmm. That sometimes, first of all, we have to do things that we never thought we'd do to save our loved ones. Like Savage Rick with the claimers, that moment. Oh, God, yeah, that was savage. You know, things but, that you- it was, but that was at least a means to an end to save his son and Daryl. But would he do it if he wasn't there? That's the question. With Carl's life on the line, would he have done the same thing and he wouldn't? Would he even make an effort to build a better life? Would things have turned out the way that they did without Carl? I don't think that he would feel the need. That's a good point. It's a very good point. A lot of his motivation was Carl. So without Carl there, what's the motivation? I mean, that's the, the complaint that a lot of people have, you know, with the death of Carl. Right. What is Rick Grimes' motivation now? Yeah. But fuck does it make for compelling television, right? I mean, it's not an entirely bad decision. Jeez. but Because you do have examples of clear examples in front of Rick's very own eyes of what happens when you just put all your eggs in the Carl basket and that basket disappears. And this could be my future. It's like the ghost of Christmas future. Oh. And and that's Morgan right there. And it's like, I, I just, I've encountered Morgan before, during, and after. And I don't want to be yeah. during or after. Sure. <laughs> It's very yeah true the, the clearing period and the and the post this is how it's going to always turn out yeah, period. you don't want you don't want to be that morgan you know what we should write a meme <laughs> I, I think you should work on this is that <laughs> this is morgan morgan thinks that, that life isn't worth saving because it all ends out the same don't be like morgan don't be like yes that's a good one it's like a stick figure with a guy with a stick exactly it's like don't oh god that's good and just his head just as just a caricature of his head or something oh my god that would be a good one i'll work on it actually <laughs> it's going on our instagram people it's going up Man, that was heavy. I really, did, I really was trying my best to not have to even talk about this because, man, ugh, it's just heavy so much. Stuff. But the, the gratifying thing about this is it's not gratuitous. The thing that we learn at the end about why we do what we do to protect our loved ones mm-hmm. and you know, why we're able to keep being positive and human and, and move on and do positive things is mm-hmm. because of the people that are around us. Yeah. How it threads together with what everybody's going through in this episode is fantastic. So fantastic. Yeah, good point. <sighs> Okay, we have one more thing to discuss. <laughs> and that's Aaron, actually, in the sneak peeks. Mm. 
So I'm going to jump to the Talking Dead sneak peek, and that's how Aaron is having a lot of trouble. He's looking a little emaciated, mm. a little sickly. Worse for the wear. Mm-hmm. And he's starving. He's thirsty. It's finally raining down there, but there are walkers all around him, and he's really struggling trying to put down the second one. Oof. And it seems very clear from the tiny flash sneak peek that Oceanside does find him. Yes. And they have this look on their face like, the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, pretty much. You still here? You're still here, dude. Well, I didn't want to invade your space. Yeah, I, I do. I do think so. The return of Oceanside. When I saw that, I threw my hands in the air. I'm like, yeah, it's Oceanside. <laughs> but then I realized, oh, wait, that doesn't mean they're going to join in the fight. <laughs> But it could. They've got two episodes to figure it out. <laughs> oh, man. Do you think that, they, that they're going to send, like, a delegation of some kind? They have to. No, they don't. <laughs> they have to. Otherwise, like, it's... Like, we so want fun. them to, right? But... Well, because otherwise, I'm like, what is this all for? What a cock tease. <laughs> it's just... It, it is. It is. I'm just like, what, what is this all for? What is it? Either you're with us or against us. <laughs> this could be, like, a Simon support group. And... There you go. We just need to get Jadis and the Oceanside people together mm-hmm. and just say, hey, they killed my people too, but they really killed everybody, even yeah. almost me, by the way. Which, by the way, at the beginning of the episode, how she's able to escape. She faked her own death, yeah. And by the way, I was looking at how that whole scene was going down. I was like, why is she hiding the body? And then I realized really quickly, she's so goddamn smart. Mm-hmm. If she hadn't hid the body, they might have even suspected that they hadn't gotten her. Yeah. Like, oh, this blood is hers. She's dead. Right. Mm-hmm. No, no second thought. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. Yeah. In, a, in a pinch, she really thought that through. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, she 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 definitely she's got some training. That's all I'm saying. She's the master of deception. Mm. And she faked it till she made it. Two times that that idea came up. Zeke was telling Carol that you taught me to fake it till, till I made it. You know, and I'm telling you to do the same. Just entertain the thought that he's alive. In the beginning of the episode with Jadis faking it till she made it. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of revealing. We'd all assumed that Simon had taken everybody out but her to kind of make her suffer. Mm-hmm. But no, no, she was in the same predicament. Yeah. yeah. This wasn't an intentional survivor. Right. Yeah, it wasn't like a fear tactic or something. Right. I thought it was, I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was a uh, ploy. Like, okay, you're, right. the, you're the one who's going to be left behind to kind of think about what you just made me do. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's So right. I guess he's not that cruel. <laughs> He's just an all-around psychopath or sociopath or whatever. He just has knee-jerk reactions, which makes him look very a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. Just point me in the direction of the of the action. I'll just blow up. <sighs> Simon. Yeah. And I think the only other thing I wanted to talk about was this one little concept. In two spots in this episode, maybe more, I'm not sure, Rick goes up to Michonne at the end of the day, and there's an apology. Rick says, I'm sorry. You're right. And Michonne says, you don't have to be. And the same thing happens when Henry confronts Morgan. And this also, little water works here. Like, you know, like he's realizing Henry's alive. He's like touching him. He's feeling him. He's like, you're real. Yeah, but he's also being really creepy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think he's just, it's just like reality confronting his, his, what he's convinced himself is what's supposed to happen. And that's why the, that's why Henry looks at him like, uh, I'm sorry that you had to kill this person. And he's like, cause he's like grinning from ear to ear like a psychopath yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm not a i'm not i was uneasy too fan this episode i'm like you guys are oh man i'll tell you one thing i am not i'm not a morgan jones fan Mm -hmm. i am i will follow lenny james aware no absolutely lenny james as an actor is an incredible actor he is an amazing actor (sighs) morgan i'm like morgan jones you are crazy which is why that helicopter is going to pick up morgan and bring him to fear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just brought me out of my moment <laughs> <It is. laughs> but no wait there's it's this whole thing is okay okay 
but uh, Morgan says, I killed the guy who killed his mother. Exactly. And Henry immediately just says, I'm sorry. But there's something so significant about that. Yeah, because I'm sorry you had to do that. I think Henry has realized that he, that he had unleashed this, the Morgan. And he had this bloodthirst before, which now I think he kind of realizes it's it's not... It's he understands not, it, yeah, definitely. It's, it's not going to bring his brother back. And just FYI, when Morgan tells him, don't ever apologize, don't ever be sorry. That's what I wanted to focus on, yes. He says don't ever same, be sorry. He says the same thing to Carl and Clear. Because <gasps> Carl apologized to Morgan for shooting him because that's how they held him down or whatever when he was going all crazy. And before they left, Carl apologized to him for that. And he told them, it's like, don't be sorry, don't ever be sorry. Don't ever be sorry. Same line. You make me cry. Same line. <laughs> it was all about the children. This it's episode. all about his boy. It's all about the children. This episode. You're killing me, man. Well, I'm gonna cry in my. I don't have ice cream. <laughs> my rocky no, road. No rocky road. But you know what? I will say one thing, and hopefully this will maybe leave us in a more positive note. I don't know, but the fact that Morgan is crying. It doesn't mean that he shook out from what, whatever he's in, but it does mean that he is going through it now. When Rick and him meet, I say there's no better pair. It's Savage Rick with a Savage Rick murder jacket. Yes. And murder bot Morgan. Yeah, no, it is. It's quite a pair. God, it's like his master's voice. It's like you just, you have the, I mean, not to say it like that, but you have Rick who's clearly in charge of some of his faculties as the dog owner. <laughs> and Morgan is just the dog, the battered uh, yeah. shelter dog or whatever. That yeah. knows that it's triggered to kill. It's just you, you just have to press a button and he's just gone. Ugh, gone. Yep. But to see him actually cry, he looks happy in a way to see Henry alive while he's yeah. crying. It's a very powerful moment. I'm hoping that it means he gets shook out of this a little bit. Enough to obviously leave the show and go to Fear, uh, Fear mm -hmm. the Walking Dead, and have some sort of stability. Because from the scenes that I've been seeing with Morgan Jones, I love saying his last name, I don't know why. I know. He seems stable-minded. He doesn't mm -hmm. seem murder body. I think he's still doing the Aikido thing. He's not nearly yeah. as in peace, but he's handling it. I think he's being a little bit more real on fear. Like, he's realizing, I'm still kind of stuck. Right. I may not think that it always has to turn out the same, but I'm definitely not Zen Master Morgan. Well, listen, I think he had a line, and I think it's very compelling, and it makes sense. I'm not all right, but I'm not wrong. And so, it's true. Yeah, and with that, I think we should call it a night. I think that's a good place to end it. And we were kind of right about this episode. We did get lost. We were presented with another mystery box. Keeps so, unraveling. Especially with the with two episodes left in the season. Oh, gosh, we have so much to wrap up. Will we see any finality? Find out on the next episode of The Walking Dead. And Squawking Dead will cover it. So Absolutely. We'll see you then. See you then.